Hello, welcome to the MHG podcast. As usual, life could be a little bit miserable, a little bit dark, so we're here hopefully to bring you some joy and a little bit of light to this dark, dark time. So as usual, joining me is Stu. Hi Bradley, how you doing Stu? Not too bad, I've not been blown away by Storm Kieran yet, so count that as a positive, yeah. Oh, yeah, Storm Kieran, well, well done for saying the name right, because... News reporters that have been butchering the name Kieran. I've heard, like, I don't know where it is, like, what it's like on your local news up there. But I've heard Kieran. What, what, what <laughs> your professional news reporter, surely you've met someone called Kieran before. Kieran yeah. or Kieran. But yeah, that's been bugging me. But thank you for saying it right. Otherwise, we would have had to have cut the podcast short right now. Well, yeah, the friendship would have been over, definitely. But, um, yeah, no, uh, it's due diligence, like regular due diligence. If you don't know how to pronounce something. I, <laughs> I remember once I, um, I was watching the news, and it was like the national news, and for some bizarre reason, they mentioned uh, Harden, which, you know, sounds quite funny if you say it wrong anyway, um, which is like, you know, in, in North Wales and uh, near where I live. And they pronounced it Hawarden, like spelled it out. And it's like, God, that's so dumb. That's very dumb. So, yeah, people can be very dumb. At least I like, uh, part, one of the things I like to do to wind up the uh, the, the, the Scousers is I do like to call Gataka Gay Taker. <laughs> Why does that annoy the Scousers? Because it's spelt Gay Taker. Um, it's in Liverpool. Right. I, should, I, should, oh. I should have pointed that out, shouldn't I? Right. Um, there's a place in Liverpool called Gataka. Um, and but it's spelt gay taker, and they don't like it when you say gay taker because it's gataker. <laughs> that would wind them up, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not something I don't, I don't like. It's not like something I go find scousers and go, Oh, hey, mate, do you know gataker, a uh, gay acre? And they're like, Where gay acre? I don't do that. It's not something I do, just generally, whenever we go through gator, I mean, I, I try and wind low up about it, essentially, is what I'm doing. So, whenever we go through it, I do like to call it gay taker. Yeah. Well, if you don't wind um, up your partner, then there must be something wrong with your relationship. That's what I always think. Yes. Which actually brings me on to a little, so before we get on to games, uh, we're going to do the little mental health bit uh, before, change it up a little bit, Stu, uh, because it kind of follows on for a little bit of this. So, as we all know, the seasons are changing. And I swear autumn's getting later and later every year. Uh, don't get me wrong. My birthday used to be... I swear my birthday used to be an autumn birthday in September. Now it's a summer birthday. I don't know. Um, I might be wrong. I might just be one of those things I've just never got right. But anyway, the, the we've had like probably what the last two weeks, would you say a big weather change? We've actually yeah. got the coldness, the wet, the wind, everything, all that. As we're talking about storms. So, uh, which brings with it. And I'm, I'm still... It little bit gets to me that it's still considered a novelty thing, really. But uh, sad, seasonal affective disorder. Um, people still mock that somewhat. I think it's the worst acronym for people to take something seriously. Um, and I, I, I'd much rather it wasn't given an acronym or was something different. Uh, but anyway, seasonal affective disorder. I've been really hit by it this last couple of weeks. Um, my mood swings have been all over the shop. Um, now I don't know. I mean, I, I feel I'm getting affected by it more this year than I have other, other years. I don't know if that's because of the state of the world. Um, whether that's because I've been more accepted of my autism and my ADHD and I'm unmasking more. Um, I've also uh, run out of my, um, 
Sertraline, lots of trailer pride, but I've been off that for years now. Uh, my Sertraline, um, I've been off that for a couple of, uh, for about a week because we forgot to put a, a prescription in. So I don't know if it's a whole a series of things, but um, listen, right? If someone is getting a bit short with you or they're not, they're not reacting in the best way, and just speak to them. Try, try and ask them. You know, you know, is out is as. Things change, you know. Is it you know, you know, what can I do to, to try and help improve things? You need a little bit of rope given to you. Um, uh, probably not the right terminology, depending on what angle you're going to people at, but there you go. Um, do you need a bit of space? Do you need someone? Do you want to go for a drink? Do you want to play a game? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? Just you know, have, if you know someone who is autistic, ADHD, they are they suffer with depression, etc. etc. Just ask them, is there something you want to do just to maybe help you? feel a bit better, get a smile, whatever. Uh, and I say this because little things add up and what would usually just be a, maybe a dismissive thing that you'll just let go and, and stuff like that. You yourself, uh, the person suffering from SAD, um, will overblow the smallest things. Like I had massive row with, with, with Lo this morning over getting the kids to school because I felt I, I was throwing up. I felt she came over for work. She was really tired. Edith decided she was going to have an autistic meltdown over shoes because she doesn't put her shoes away properly. It's one of those things. It just got really, really bad. My fault and I will be apologising after I've recorded the podcast and the maids woke up and stuff like that. But completely my fault. But it's SAD. It's stuff that five six weeks ago wouldn't have even bothered me when it was like certain things are said or, or anything like that um and it is a shame that it is a, a mocked issue with with mental health somewhat even for people people who suffer with mental health issues sad is mocked and, and kind of ridiculed a little bit which is a shame but if you ask someone who, who we all get a little bit of it because as the, as the months change there's less of a dopamine hit because there's less um sun coming through so you're not getting the benefits of, of the sun coming through um and we know there's health benefits to that and mental health benefits to good weather uh whether you like the heat or not the actual the actual light coming through gives uh, like a better outlook on things um so Take your bit of time with people if you can. If you're someone who suffers really badly, just make sure that if you do blow your top and things like that, that you repent for it afterwards, I suppose. You apologise. You acknowledge that, look, I know this is an issue. Hopefully, you know, once the season's settled in, it's something that won't be as bad because it generally happens when I think the seasons change. And I think the late season change we're having more and more, I think is probably with people who do get it really badly is just exasperating. Not, I don't want to say the problems, it's not a problem, but it's just exasperating the, like the, the effects, shall we say. So, you know, take your time with people. And if you are somebody who suffers, take your time with the people who you're maybe putting it on. Uh, but yeah, just wanted to say that because I was a prick earlier a massive prick and that's not fair on the people you live with i think you're probably right i think that you know autumn coming in and bringing with them these horrible storms it's probably making it quite bad maybe worse than it has been for quite some years for people yeah. and yeah if, if you uh if you need to get one of those you know sad lamps um 
if you even if you think you might be affected try and get one i think you can get them for dirt cheap these days so um yeah i know cost of living and everything but yeah have, have a look into them if you think that you might be impacted yeah and be patient like you say be patient yeah. and to go fully equity that's a, a bit of a psa from us yeah to start nice. the start the episode as we move into post halloween um yeah we're into the worst season now <laughs> well, the we're last into, yeah, we into the commercial holidays. <laughs> yeah, the last fun kind of bit has gone now with Halloween and got yeah. nothing till Christmas. Well, I suppose it's bonfire night, but I don't know. It's not really exciting, is it? Yeah, but they make you pay to look up now. So <laughs> you know, used to go, I used to be loads of them. Now they go, you can't stand there. Why? Because you got to pay. Otherwise, you'll get to see the the waste of money going up in the air for free. We can't have that. Yeah, that, that's that's capitalism. Yeah, We're charging you for the uh, air soon. Uh, they probably do in some places. Um, with all that going on as well, uh, got to say Halloween was brilliant. Edith went as um, a dead footballer. Um, nothing gruesome, nice. a zombie footballer, I should say, because otherwise that's a bit more gruesome. <laughs> yeah. So, but she went as a like uh, we called her like one of her players that plays Liverpool is called Emma Co Visto, and Edith called herself Emma Zombie Visto. Um, we put it on on Instagram and Ebico Visto liked it, which was really cool, which Edith loves when stuff like that happens. Brilliant. Um, so not that any celebrities or famous people listen to us. I mean, they might. If your fans reach out in any way, just a little acknowledgement is sometimes all you need. It's brilliant. It, it really makes them feel good about themselves. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so my sad niche aside, what sad niche games have you been playing? So... Start off with, I've been playing, honestly, I've, I've been playing I, what I think has come in very late in the day. It could well be one of the games of the year. Okay. Well, okay. No, 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 the game of the year. But I'm not going to talk about that to start with. You have to listen a bit longer. Okay. Um, I've been playing a um, very niche title, actually, that is from the modders, the people who modded um, Slade Aspire and made Downfall. The Slade Aspire mod that was really popular on, for, for a little bit. Right. Um, and they've gone on and done their own game called Tales of Tactics. Right. Um, which I played a demo of and I was like intrigued by the demo but didn't really get it. It was had some issues with controls and stuff like that on the Steam Deck. And I was like, it's one of those games where I can't sit at a PC and play it. Like puzzle games, card games. I can't sit at a big screen and play it. For me, it's a personal experience. So you've got your screen. Um, so I was like, ah, I wasn't quite sure. Anyway, I've now picked it up. Um, and what Tales of Tactics is, is it's a hex grid based, is it auto chess they call it? Auto battlers? Um, no idea. Game that relies on synergy. Um, so one of the big things of Slay the Spire was synergy effects. So you would play your cards and you try and get cards that complement each other and so on and so forth. Um, and what they've done is they've built a new game around a slightly new genre that relies completely on synergy. Um, so what you do is you kind of you get your battlefield, which is hex based, and it's kind of like a chessboard layout, but with hexagonals, uh, hex hexagonals, hexagons, hexagons uh, rather yeah. than squares. Yeah, 
Uh, and what you do, the enemy play their units in certain spots. You play your units in certain spots. You give them power marks. You try to get units to complement each other to create synergy. The uh, the enemy or the your opponent will do the exact same. And then you press fight, and basically for it just for a couple of minutes they fight. Um, and whoever's got the best setup wins. Um, now this, it's not just a case of going, oh, I've got more powerful uh, characters than you, more uh, that I can put down. Um, and you can't just go, oh, I'm just going to like bombard the board with like 30 different characters while you've only been able to put down four. You, there's a limit to what you can put down. Um, so you, you get a thing that says, oh, you can put down four, they can put down four, and they've, they've got to battle. And you can't go, well, I'm going to do just three because I think I might win it. You've actually got to fill, fill your spots and things like that. It goes really in-depth. Um, and like Slay the Spire, you, you win like when you play the AI. Um, you win, you get your rewards, you move on. You win, you get your rewards, you move on. You lose, you learn, you start again because it's a bit roguelike as well. Um, and yeah, it's kind of got this tabletop RPG type uh, aesthetic to it, which is really good. Now, it's a complicated game compared to Slay the Spire. Slay the Spire is... Whether you're a fan of those games, everyone knows Slay the Spire and knows it is the god tier um, deck building video game. Uh, and it uses synergy, but what Slay the Spire does, you discover the synergy. So you don't get told in the game that, oh, this card works well with this card and this card. You discover that as you play. Um, because it's not a, just about synergy, it's about controlling your deck and other things and so on and the, the run you get, the type of enemies you get. Whereas this, this is auto battlers and auto chess are built completely around synergy. So you will get two different characters that you draw, you put them on and you will get told, oh, these have synergized together. And I'm saying synergy a lot um, because it's a great word. Um, it is. But it's just like us when we do a podcast, Joe, we synergize. Um, yeah, whatever that means, I don't know. Uh, but you put down two characters, and you'll get a thing going. Oh, look, these two work really well together. Um, now you could add um, an effect or an item to this character. Oh, and now it synergizes with this character. You're even stronger, and so on. It's really complicated from the outset, but it introduces it all in a really decent tutorial. Um, and I went from going, oh. God knows what I'm trying to do here to understanding the game and actually finding myself getting on longer and longer runs and understanding the sort of characters I need, um, the ones I need to take off the battlefield and put back on my bench and the others I need to put in, what type of enemies I'm playing against and the synergies that will work against them. And it does a really, really good job of increasing your knowledge as the game gets more difficult, plus allowing you to play different difficulties. Uh, which is really interesting because I find that most deck building games have a single difficulty. And it's just the more you learn, the easier it gets. Whereas this has got different difficulties. And I've stuck it on easy. I've moved up to a, a higher sort of difficulty now because the easy levels are too easy. that They might as well not be now on easy. So I've upgraded it. And yeah, it's really interesting. It's not one where I'm going to... I don't think it's going to have the longevity of a Slayer Spire, which I still play to this day, um, and still put on fairly regularly and have, even if it's just one session per week or something, or I go completely in for a couple of weeks or whatever. But I've got to say, with this, it's got something where I think it's going to be 
<laughs> to coin what it does, it's going to be one of those games that's on my bench that I'll bring in on a semi-regular basis. Not for everyone, but if you like these kind of games, uh, tactical games, deck builders, um, the auto chess, auto battle type stuff, strategy games, it's definitely one worth checking out. And I'm glad I finally got round to it because, yeah, I'm really impressed by it. Cool, yeah. I mean, it'll crop up in, in the next game you talk about and all the stuff we talk about, but the way that all of these great games are crammed towards the end of the year is, <laughs> yeah. oh my God, it's a nightmare. <laughs> it's a nightmare. Yeah, it's I a like. good nightmare to have. So a pleasant dream, but it's also a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, wherever some of these games are like a couple of years ago when it was a bit more sparse, I mean, because of obviously COVID, but can we, can we kind of like, yeah, can we spread them out a bit more? <laughs> well, yeah. There's too many great games. There are. And, like, you know, some of them, like this one, you think, honestly, I think you probably would have been better doing it earlier or later, you know, just to get away from the... It's it, it's tough, isn't it? Because if you go, I oh, will do it later, you then risk someone else coming in and doing it, and you're just being, oh, it's just another of that. Oh, yeah, well, I only mean, like, January it's... or something. You know what I mean? I don't mean, like, you know... But, yeah, but what's happened, we used to have the... Um, like the months where it was really quite now if you're into your triple a's you still have your periods you're like oh november's stacked if you're into your triple a's if you're into your indies and your niche titles there's no break there really is no break across the year that's true uh but yeah it's really really good i know it's not your sort of games joe so i'm not gonna go oh what's your thoughts looking at it because your thoughts looking at it, go yeah i'm not touching that it's right, right. <laughs> yeah, you know me too well <laughs> yeah it's got you look at the um the tags for it, you just go, yep, yeah, no, that's out. <laughs> that's <Yep>. every single, <laughs> every single thing that I don't like. <laughs> it's out. That's right. And I try. I genuinely try. I'm not just like, oh, I don't I like that genre. I'm never trying again. No, I, and we will yeah. discuss this another time. But yeah, there's genres that for some people just aren't there whatsoever. Yeah. Right. Before I let you get to your, your one that you've got, um, very, very quickly, I played a demo. Um, and again, this is something that I'm not, I'm not even going to try and sell you on this, Joe, because I know it's not your type of thing. But it's called Planet Tiles. Um, it's like, when you, what's that thing where you squash two words together? I know it's got a proper term, where you take two different words, put them together to make a thing. Uh, oh. That thing. Yeah. It's, I know that it. Right. Yeah. I'll remember. Yeah. You carry on. Go on. Onomatopoeia or so. It's not an onomatopoeia, but it's one of those types of words. Uh, but anyway, it's called Planet Tiles or Planet Tiles. Uh, which basically with this, it's a um, a city builder on a planet, a round global planet, not a flat earth. Oh, you should make a flat earth game. That'd be boss. Anyway, <laughs> um, um, yeah, um, so you're on this globe. I just don't know where that came from. You're on this globe and you basically get to put down these like little tiles, hence, hence the name, um, and you have to create... Um, by uh, biospheres with different tiles you might get like a a sand based tile you might get a farming based tile a forest based tile and you get basically um like little um quests come up and the idea is it'll go oh you need to enclose a single sand tile um and you'll get rewards for it so you put down something single sand tile you build forest around it and you'll get the rewards and it might go more complicated to go all oh, right you need to build um a like 20 connecting forest tiles um and you'll get a reward for it and it builds up 
basically like that. And you get a limited tile set to do it, unless you get the rewards, which adds more tiles to your tile set. And you basically build this massive globe with different biomes in it. Um, and it's score-based. It's score based. And that's all it is. So you go through, you build it, you get to a point, you fail miserably, or you might succeed. You get points, and that's it, you're done. Um, and it's like literally, it's just a demo of it. So I don't know if it's going to be more expensive with the full game where there's like something else to do it. But my time with it, I've put about an hour into the demo, um, played through a few different runs, and I really, really, really enjoy it. Um, demo you can go and get now. It's coming out at some point next year. If you're into strategy games, if you're into puzzle games, relaxing games, city builders, stick this on your wish list because, yeah, I, I, I picked it up um, and I was very, very impressed by what it's doing. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Did you do your research into what putting two words together is while I was talking? I did. I'm like, oh, it's one of those where you're like, oh, God, I can't believe I couldn't remember. It was portmanteau. It's like, you see, you're, you know, you're, you're like, onomatopoeia. Oh, yeah, that's when the words sound like the thing that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I was like, oh, you've put me on the spot, though. I can't remember. But, yeah, it's portmanteau. Portmanteau, which, yeah. what's that a portmanteau of? Uh, I don't know, because I think it's French. So it's probably oh, okay. not one. Yeah. It's like abbreviation, isn't it? It's like, Ugh, why is it <laughs> such a long word? Yeah. Yeah, there should be a small one for it. Gumpf. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll rebadge it. It's called gumpf. When you when you have, when you put two words yeah. together, it's called a gumpf. Yeah. I mean, I can't abbreviate anything. Uh, yeah. like, if I try to abbreviate a sentence, it'll go on for about ten minutes. So, you know. Uh, I don't know what. Anyway, but yeah, that's yeah, that's. <coughs> excuse me. That's planet tiles or planet tiles, whatever. I don't know. How it's pronounced. Uh, really good. Give it a wish list. Um, and it's got a decent demo, so I play the demo. Stu, what's your game of the week? <laughs> well, because it's going to be good. If Stu's only been playing one game, it's going to be good. Ah, uh, well, I mean, it's only one new one. Um, yeah, but just to skip back to Planet Tiles, um, <laughs> I, I kind of go back and forth on those kind of portmanteau names. I think I don't know. I don't think Planet Tiles works very well. Um, I, it's kind of when you're spelling it out, it's like, well, they go in Planet. Tiles, or are they doing plan tiles? Well, it could be plain tiles. Could be plain tiles. Plain tiles, <laughs> you know, plan tiles, <laughs> plantain. Um, it's just like, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it works for me. But fair play to them, they tried. Um, <laughs> oh, God, I can be mean. But no. Um, no, but at the same time, it's obviously works because you're discussing the game by well, the thing going on. So it's going to stick. True. It's going to stick. So, true. yeah. True. Yeah. So, yeah, no, very briefly on what I've been playing. So I finished off Super Mario Wonder sort of towards the end of last week, so not long after we recorded. Um, yeah, really excellent game, great fun, definitely in my top 10 for the year, definitely not in my S rank, um, but very high up, uh, a lot of fun. I've carried on playing Ghost Runner 2, even though it is brutally hard. Um, other people have been saying, oh, it's not as hard as the first one, and I'm like, what, are you tripping? It's like... This is insanely difficult and much harder than the, the previous game. But, you know, these things trip differently for different people. So I'm really, really forcing myself sort of through it. Not because I'm not enjoying it, I am. But you have to turn off that section of your brain that says, if you're continuously failing, you should quit. Because 
yeah, well, that's what I normally do. Because I'm like, oh, I'm not enjoying myself. But I am actually enjoying myself, but I'm continuously failing. So I've realised that's part of the game. So I'm enjoying it more. So fair enough. But I'm not here to talk about those games, funnily enough. I'm here to talk yeah, about... Yeah, we spoke about them already. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, I'm here to talk about Alan Wake 2, which is just a small little release that's come out. Um, oh, you and your indies. I know, yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> but, yeah, no, they occupy a sort of funny space, Remedy. They really do. They're kind of... I don't know, they remind me a little bit of, like, Horizon. You know, it's like, yeah, they've become AAA, but they don't produce games that are AAA. You know, they're not really AAA games. I'm not saying they're not of quality. I'm just saying that their subject matter is a bit kind of niche. It's a bit more... I think it's possibly helped along by the fact that they're third-person action games that they do, generally, and the the renaissance of Resident Evil over the last... Since 7 came out, so what, 2015? Um, I think that's given them a bit of a boost. So... It's majoring in kind of environmental scares and atmosphere. And it's minoring in being a third-person shooting game. Um, It's much more about that, you know, walking around, discovering. Its touch points are very much kind of like aspects of Resident Evil, huge swathes of Silent Hill, particularly the earlier games. Um really big influences from David Lynch and all that kind of stuff and it all blended together and I think how it works for people is really going to be very different for me it works really really well I really like it and it partly because it it never lets go of that tension and fear kind of aspect there's some really cheap jump scares but they're few and far between mostly it's about atmosphere building and about you know making you um, making you afraid for the character's sanity, and I mean that in the plural, not singular. So you play as two. This is not a spoiler. You play as two different characters. Obviously, Alan Wake himself and a character called Saga, and they're kind of different, and they're very strong characters, very well depicted, and from different angles as well, which I won't go into too much. But you know about the way that they're represented and how they're fixed in reality. And it's very meta in places, and the puzzles are very meta, and even to the degree that, like, what's effectively the pause screen is like a meta thing. It's very, very clever. The dialogue is interesting. The puzzles are fun and kind of unique. Um, the only letdown for me, and it's only a minor one, and I only have to mention it because, you know, it's not a perfect game, even though it's a great game. Um, the kind of action elements uh, are fine, but they're not particularly interesting. Mm. You know, they're fine, they work, you know, um, but they're kind of like, you know, they don't bring the genre forward. Uh, not to the point that I've played it, at least. And I've been playing for about seven hours or more, maybe more than that. Um, and there is also a fair bit of backtracking. Now, not a ton, and it's not egregious, but it's one of those that you could go... I mean, this is getting up for me being like a 20-hour game. I think you could easily have trimmed some of that off and made it a shorter game and not really lost anything from the experience without making it too linear. Yeah. But that said, that does feed into the atmosphere, and the atmosphere, it really is unique. 
it it re- without spoiling it, it really does make you feel like that you're trapped in a headspace, that you're trapped in a box of uh, created entirely by people, and you're playing a game that has been created by real people that is a box trapping you in a game and a story created by fictional people that are also trapped within their own fiction. And Ow. Exactly. Ow. And it melts your brain. And I think any game that, that really attempts to do something like that, really swing for the fences, is something to be applauded. And for it to have gone mainstream and done so well, that's great. And yeah, so it's not perfect, but it's not imperfect it's a really excellent game and i think it you know it's going to be in a lot of people's sort of top tier for the for the year really we see more and more so a couple of things uh right actually i'm gonna start with, i'll start with with this point about alan wake as a whole um alan wake 2 i definitely 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 want to play um and i'm very tempted to sort of like steal the xbox for a little bit to, to try and play it um because i don't think it's gonna run well on my pc uh but anyway um, plus on the xbox i can stream it to my steam deck as well home in home streaming so anyway yeah. um the first alan wake uh despite not being a quote unquote horror game was scarier and more tension building than any quote unquote horror game i've ever played um because I, i've said to you i don't get horror games don't scare me because they all go for jump scares uh, they won't be jump because that's what a jump scare is. You don't need to be scared by a jump scare, but that's all they are. And they go, oh, look how scary this game is because it makes you jump. Allowed. I could walk up to somebody who wasn't expecting it, shouting their ear, and they're going to jump. They're not scared of me, but it's going to make them jump. Um, so I'm all about what's the atmosphere? What can you make? What internal dread can you make me feel? And Adam Wake did that. I got so drawn into the world that I was on edge playing it the entire time. Um, and I, for like the little snippets I've caught of Alan Wake 2 and people talking about it, it's the first game plus, plus, plus um, in, in almost every respect. Um, and I can't wait to play it. Um, but the other point I just want to make before I let you sort of maybe cover a, a bit more about it is we've seen this year what happens if you let a good developer cook? If you let them take their time and make the game they want to make, how good it could be. Look at Baldur's Gate. Look at Tears of the Kingdom. Look at Now and Awake 2, which are probably going to be, in most people's, like when you look at your IGN, Euro Gamers, Game, game Awards, Jeff Keighley's thinking, whatever it's called, um, they're likely to be taking those top three spots, those three games. And they are three games where there was zero compromise on release date. And you let the developers make the game they want to make. One is a AAA game because it's Nintendo. The other, as you said, is a AAA game in all in terms of quality and everything, but without the AAA trappings. And the other one is technically an indie game in Boulder's Gate. And you've made three games that are just going to just top everything. And they have just shown what happens if you let a developer take their time. Um, doesn't mean a bad game allowing time to develop. It's going to be a good game. But if you've got a good game idea and you're allowed to make the game you want because you you, you deserve that, shows what you can do. 
Um, yeah. And I, yeah, this is not in my game because I'm not going to play it this time of the year, um, unfortunately. But I know it's literally because I haven't played it yet. It's going to be, I, I can pretty much guarantee it's going to be one of my games of not this year down the line when you do that, when you go, ah, oh, what's the favourite game you played that wasn't released in 2025 or whatever? I'll go, it's Alan Wake 2, obviously. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's amazing. Um, and uh, Remedy, I was looking at their list. I thought they made more games than they actually had. Um, mm-hmm. They make their games and they are just, well, there we go. And yeah. I'm looking at it and I can see one misstep out of them. And that's probably Crossfire, which I don't know what happened with that um, or why they was involved with it. Whether it was to get the money to help with Alan Wake 2, I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's the one misstep they've had. Um, they have got, they just knock it out of the park every single time. Even if you might not particularly like that game, you can't lie about the quality of like Quantum Break and Control, um, the two Max Payne games, you know, American Nightmare. Let's not forget that was a completely different game set in the exact same world and still hit. It was an XBLA game and it still hit so well. Um, so yeah, yeah uh, they, they nail it. But anyway, sorry, I took over. No, that's right. Um, yeah, no, the only thing I've left to say really is to just briefly mention the visuals, the graphics, you know, it's like, yeah, there's there's no point building an amazing graphics engine if it's not in service of the plot, um, because there are so many beautiful looking games that, you know, it's not about that. And you can produce something, you know, lovely looking like, you know, that Teams and Tactics, whatever it's called, you know, on a shoestring budget. And it's about the aesthetic. And they really have used their their money, their expertise, and the power of next gen to to do something really quite unique with how it mm. looks. And it's very difficult to describe um, why it works so well, but it really is to do with how much they've baked into the game that just works and just it it it's kind of like going like if we're going to do an analogy, it's like moving into a Say you moved into like a new build house um, that had been expensively decorated uh, versus moving into a, a wonderful old mansion that, uh, that didn't have any decoration. It's more like the, the mansion thing in that, yeah, it's beautiful, but it's beautiful at its bones. It doesn't need, because it's been built so well from the ground up, you don't actually need much peripheral stuff on top of it to make it lovely so it's not a game that like you build in unreal engine 4 and you can add ray tracing and if you stick ray tracing on it looks a bit more next gen it's not like that at all so you can stick this on its lowest settings and its lowest settings on pc exceed like the highest settings on most games so mm. it's not it doesn't it, it doesn't actually cripple your PC. It hasn't crippled mine. And mine's very much mid-range these days. Um, and I was even able to dial some stuff up after I realised I was still getting 60 frames per second. It's just It just uses the things that your computer does properly as a, as a basis, yes. rather than saying we're going to put all this extra heavy compute, computational stuff on top of it. So it's base at its base level it looks incredible as well uh, but in a way that is about the atmosphere and not just about trying to impress you yeah but yeah um, so it's my game of the year of games i've not played this year <laughs> well go on then what's your final one of today then so 
unless something really amazing happens in the next month and a bit, um, my game of the year um, is the Talos Principle 2. Um, I've had this game for a couple of weeks now, not to brag. Uh, we sent a code for it on the on, on, just on the off chance, and they went, oh, "Are you doing Talos Principle 2? Yeah, we'll sort you out a code." Now I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> yes, please." Um, yep. So let let me just say this: um, What's your your number? Right, it's definitely up there. Portal Two is your one of your favourite games of all time, isn't it? Oh yeah, definitely. Yes, definitely. So this. Is to Talos Principle what Portal 2 was to Portal. Whereas Portal was a sort of tech demo originally, but had this interesting story behind it. So it was an experimental, not a tech demo, was it? It was an experiment, an experimental game that they threw into um, um, into the orange box originally, wasn't it? Because they thought, oh, look at what we could do, and like with the engine, and like there's this idea, what do you think of it? Yeah. Um, and then it had this interesting story that wasn't in your face because it was mainly about the puzzles, um, and the story was kind of like an interesting thing if you wanted to look for it. The Talos Principle is the same sort of thing where it's all about the puzzles, but if you go looking, there's a story, like a really interesting story behind it. Now, the Talos Principle had some issues with accessibility. Um, for me, when I first played it, I didn't have a lot of my, my um, disabilities, um, my issues, um, and I, I, I done it. But even then, like the stories on the, um, on the terminals, just like, oh, I can't be asked reading all this. Um, and I missed a lot of it. And ended up like watching um, uh, retrospectives of other people talking about it and all the mythos behind it. I was like, oh, this is really interesting. I wish I'd been able to get that in the game. I wish there was a better way of telling these stories. <clears throat> um, the controls were great in the first one. You kind of fought with them to, uh, to get the best experience. Um, it was all about the puzzles, and the puzzles in the first game were genius. Um, and the way they evolved to do different things, uh, but kept the same concept behind them. My big worry for the Talos Principle 2 was how do you actually top this? This, what was an experimental game from the team behind Serious Sam, which is just, that blows my mind. And there's still little hints <laughs> yeah. to suggest that the Talos Principle is in the same universe as Serious Sam. Just like, okay. Um, if you want to, like, I love I love people who do theories about games because they will take it to as deep as you possibly can Aww. due to an asset maybe left over in a bit of code that you shouldn't have been able to ever see. They're like, see, this proves these are in the same universe. You're like, all right, mate. Um, <laughs> okay, but yeah, sure, why not? But the possibilities are there, and I love it. Um, but it was an experimental game. Um, and it done, I think, better than Crow Team probably ever thought possible. Um, and so my big fear with the Talos Principle 2 was, how can they top this? How can they actually top this with the puzzles and everything without it just being more of the same? Because, and this is where the Portal 2 comparisons come in. Portal 2 is essentially more of the same in many, many respects. It, but then it adds layers as you go that keep it the same, but make it feel fresh. So you get like the... Um, the expulsion gel and stuff like I'm probably using the wrong e word there, but it's you get the different gels that you use to make you go faster or stick or bounce and stuff like that, along with your portals and your other things. And it's just like the, the, the possibilities in that game were amazing. I've got to play it again, I've got to play Portal 2 again, but anyway, um, this does that essentially. It takes the core concepts of the first game, 
puts them into it. So literally the first couple of puzzles you do are literally Talos principle puzzles. Where you jam a thing, you like you jam one of the doors, and then you you go to get something, jam another door, go get something, and then you complete the level, off you go. Um, and it even has, and this is this is what I'm, so I'm going to get into it just a little bit deeper as I go. But it even has that you collect the uh, tetromino at the end, right? at the, the first few levels, um, and you're like, oh, this is really cool. It just takes you back into more of the stuff. It's just like you're straight back in. And you mean, and then you you kind of like, and this is not spoilery because otherwise you've not played the game. Uh, but you do it, you complete that, and then you take it into the actual game. Literally, it uses the Talos principle as a tutorial to the main game, and that's like, oh, it's so good. It's Very really good. Nice. It's really clever. <laughs> Very yeah, good. it's like it assumes you've played the Talos principle. So if you've played the Talos principle, you go in and go, oh, jammer, unjam that, get that, unjam that, get that, collect the piece. Like, you do that, and then it gets a bit more. You're like, done it, done it, done it, off I go. Yeah, this is more the same. Really enjoy it. You get to the end of it. You go through your final gate um, that you unlock, and then you get taken into the actual game. Um, and what this does, it's brilliant. This is, again, this is what Portal 2 does. It introduces a story that was missing from the first. Um, and so you go in and you just into this whole new world where humanity's being rebuilt, but being rebuilt with androids. Um, but all these androids have fully human personalities because their human personalities have been put into these androids. And you're the thousandth android. So they've decided to rebuild humanity in a way using androids, but only to a certain number. And you come in as the final one. You're called 1K. Uh, but all the other characters got, like, really human names. So it's like you get, like, someone, like, early on, you've got a couple of characters. If you're one who's called, like, Melville, um, and he chats to you, uh, they've got, like, really, like, interesting, like, proper dialects in their voice as well. So it's not, like, all Americanized or all a certain type, but they've all got proper dialects from all over the world. Because, obviously, they're androids that have had personalities, like, human um, personalities, human souls, in a way, inserted into them from, from all their learning. So it's almost like machine learning in a way. But it's taken it. And obviously, if you used to put machine learning of everyone's like world's dialect, you're going to get loads of different dialects. And it embraces that, and it's really good. And you get like loads of actually to your like voice acted and visual story, not just through terminals. But at the same time, you can still go to terminals within the world and get even more added story. But it's not as vital this time to do that, to get the story. The overall story is told to you. And you're along for the ride. But it's still got this amazing freedom. Yes, it's got this story that's told to you. And it's visually impressive. And there's character to it that wasn't there before. And it's, um, and it's just like built up. But it, like... In a way, I'm going, oh, this is going to be quite linear, isn't it? And that's my issue. I feel this is going to be fairly linear. Um, and that might take away from it. Because the thing I loved about the Talos Principle was you could kind of go and do it in any order you wanted, but in a kind of structured order, because you had to get all the pieces to open a gate. Um, so there was that structure, but it was very open. And I thought, oh, are they going to take away from that? Nope. It's completely open. So you go into different uh, biomes, um, and you do your puzzles, so you go to different, essentially different sort of like um, puzzle rooms, you do your puzzles, um, and then you go, you get tetradominoes, uh, but this time you use those to build physical bridges. So not just like you kind of move them about on a, on a grid to open a gate, you have to build physical bridges. 
And that's a really interesting concept because it makes you think like you're going from the, all these different ways of thinking for using your different elements in a puzzle room to all of a sudden using it to think of a different way. And it, again, it, it's just, it really keeps you engaged. Um, and one of the big fears, again, I think people had was, oh, there was loads of discovery in the world, like loads of like real like puzzles that weren't puzzles in the game and like discover these things, mysteries and secrets. Is that, yeah, that's all there. Um, I happened upon one really, really early. Um, and technically I'm going to say it's a, actually, are you bothered about a minor spoiler? Um, no, I'm not, no. Right, okay. So for anyone else, Joe, you timestamp this way, you edit. Spoiler coming up. Um, and still will let you know how long to skip, depending on this. So, there's the outside the puzzle room spoilers. Uh, spoilers. Outside the puzzle room um, secrets and mysteries. And I first re <coughs> realised when I happened across one in the second world. Didn't find one in my first world, obviously. Went to the second area, East 2, I think it was. And on that, the plinths that tell you what puzzle room number you're in. On the back of one of them, when I came out, I saw a um, a, a lever. I was like, well, there's a lever. I'm pulling that lever. Um, I pulled the lever from off to on and nothing happened. So I was like, right, okay. Interesting. I thought, oh, does it reset the puzzle? Maybe I've just pulled the lever to reset the puzzle. Went back in, puzzle was the same. I didn't have a clue what this lever was. Anyway, so I'm going through. I've done, like, room three, room four. And then I came across this monument type thing, these, these uh, ruins. And on it, it had like a, uh, a square and it had four numbers in it. And then something clicked. I went, oh, hello. Four numbers on this. And there was a lever on those rooms that I've just had a look at, on like the plinths outside these rooms. And these have got numbers. Right, okay. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to go through, complete all the rooms um, and then work this out. And I worked out what I had to do. And again, I'm not going to spoil what I had to do, but I had to go and do this something. And then I got um, one of the secrets, one of the mysteries revealed to me. Um, and it's like brilliant. And then I started looking for them because I discovered this one by accident. I was then like, oh, I tell you what, there's going to be more of these, isn't there? So I'm like, I'm looking for them. I'm there looking for these potential secrets. It encouraged me to go off wandering and find then secret puzzle rooms and things like that. And the secret puzzle room could lead to something else and other mysteries. And all of a sudden, this world that was just like eight puzzle rooms expands. It almost doubles in size because of the more you discover. And it's like, I'm, just, I'm playing this game and it's just like, it's just getting more and more. The puzzles are difficult, but the discovery is just something else. And I, I'm playing it and I'm playing it. Um, and I'm sort of like, I've, I've, I've had puzzle rooms where I've gone in, I've seen it, I've gone, right, okay, bang, 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 done. Two, three minutes and I'm done. I've had other rooms where I've spent an hour, over an hour in one room. I'm working things out, trying and ever, actually understanding what I've got to do, but how do I do it? That's then the 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 question. Um, and I've not been in there going, oh God, I'm going to skip this. I've got the option to skip a puzzle. You like when you do these moves, you can get um, you can unlock um, little things, little uh, hint things that allow you to then go into the room, press a button, and go. Look, do you want to skip this room and use one of your knives? Let's call it or whatever it is. Anyway, little flames and things, um, and you can skip it. But not once have I wanted to skip a level, and I. I 
I could lose hours to it already. I barely scratched the surface, Joe. You know, I'm really in about, like, World 4, I think I've just hit. But it's not like, oh, I don't feel I've got anything out of this game and it's slow progress. It's me. I want to be in this world. And I want to look for what's going to give me that next hit. And the story is told at a pace, a really well pace. It doesn't stop you playing the game. It's it's done in your, in, like in your ears through exposition and people talking to you. Um, and if you really wanted to, you can ignore it. You don't have to do it. You could just concentrate on the puzzles. Honestly, what they've built here is just the most amazing, brilliant, well-put-together experience that takes the first game and just sends it into the stratosphere. It is, without shadow of a doubt for me, I thought I was going to have something like Baldur's Gate as my number one game, and Baldur's Gate is brilliant. But this is head and shoulders above anything else I've played this year. So, um, did you like it then? No, it was, it was all right. <laughs> <laughs> so, on that, I went on. Um, all of you, go play Talus Principle 2 now. And to let you do that, I'm going to shut up. Cool, yeah, no, truck it down. Anything else that you like the sound of, go give a go to. Because we haven't bought anything that is against our ethical principles, I don't think, on any of these. So, yeah, because there's some publishers and developers we won't fund. Uh, but we've, yeah. we've successfully navigated through them over the course of 2023. So... The remainder of 2023, follow all our content on the socials. Join us on Discord if you want to chat. And in the meantime, until next week, stay safe and stay sane.